Have you ever felt like you didn't matter? Like you were ignored or maybe forgotten? I know I felt that way, especially when my mom failed multiple times to pick me up from soccer practice. Mm -hmm. She noticed when it was dinner time at 7 that I wasn't at the table. She'd be like, oh, yeah, I have a daughter. She was in soccer practice. Yeah. Maybe you've even been treated that way, like if you didn't matter. See, when I was a teenager, our youth group was notorious for making plans to hang out during the weekend and not inviting my sister and I. My brother was little, okay, so I'm not including him in this story. But they were really good about talking about it in front of us when we came back Sunday morning. It was awesome. It really hurt my feelings. I was always like, seriously? Seriously? But you know, there was this one girl in particular, and she made it her life's mission to make my sister's life and I as miserable as possible. And she was good. Mean Girls had nothing on her, y'all. She was good. Years later, um, you know, I went to college, came back home, and we ended up reconnecting on Facebook. You know, it's one of those friends requests that you're like, well, I don't want to be rude, but I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, accept. And while she never apologized for the way she treated us, I could tell that there had been a change in her. It had been a God change. And while we didn't become BFFs, we did become friends. And then years later, when Jason and I got married, we were helping my parents out at a festival. You know, my parents sell tacos al pastor, uh, and Jason and I went to help. And she was there at that festival. And she came up to me, and she was like, Tina. And I'm like, hey, you. And you know, we hugged, and we talked. She, I introduced her to Jason. We asked up after our families how we were doing, what was going on. You know, and she left, and Jason's like, how do you know her? I'm like, she made my life a living nightmare when we were teenagers. He's like, no, really. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, she made my life a living nightmare when we were teenagers. He's like, at school? I'm like, no, dude, at youth group. He's like, at youth group? I was like, yes. It was the youth group from El Diablo. <laughs> but you know, by the time that we had met up at the festival, God had really healed me from that. And those years, while they were especially difficult, taught me a lot about the person I wanted to become. And I knew I didn't want to be someone that excluded people on purpose. And I knew that I didn't want to be the person that ridiculed others. See, when we were in youth, we were the new family in the church. But we didn't have as much as everybody else did. And it was obvious. And it always made me want to teach my kids to seek out those that other people overlooked. Those that other people didn't have time for. And so while it was painful, it was some really good lessons, you know? Now, as difficult as it is to go through that, to feel ignored, especially when they're doing it on purpose, like they're not even hiding it, it's difficult to walk through. But you see, the way that we treat people who don't matter says a lot about our character. And if we believe the words that Jesus said in Matthew 25, it means so much more than that. Let's read them. 
Jesus was teaching his disciples about the end times, and he said, when he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort out the people, much as a shepherd sorts out his sheep and goats, putting the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the, world, since the world's foundation. And here is why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I am telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked, or ignored. Another version says to the least of these, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the one on his left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You are good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes, sick and in prison and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I am telling the solemn truth. Whenever you fail to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. I wonder how many times I have missed caring for one of the least of these. What about you? How many times have you missed it? Now, for that matter, who are the overlooked, the forgotten, and the ignored in our society? Is it the homeless? Is it people with disabilities? Is it the sick, the jobless, trafficking victims? Addicts, immigrants, who are the least of these? They're the ones that are forgotten, overlooked, and ignored. How many times do we miss the chance to care for them? And in doing so, we fail in our responsibility as disciples of Jesus. Let me show you one more passage. It's Hebrews 13. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing some, oh, give me a second, my coffee has not kicked in. For by doing, no, I read it wrong again, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now, these two passages represent a high standard of thought and behavior set out and outlined by Jesus. How are you doing with that? Caring for the least of these. 
the overlooked, the mistreated? Do you treat those that are mistreated like you yourself are suffering? Now, before I continue, let me caution you, okay? Because this is a favorite verse for people to use when they try to con you or take advantage of you, okay? That is not what these verses are designed to do. Listen, some of them will tell you, hey, you should be giving me money because I might be an angel in disguise. No, no. In that case, you're not the overlooked, the ignored, or the forgotten. You are the greedy and the manipulative, and nay, nay. Mm -mm. When Jason and I were pastoring at our uh, last church, we both happened to be in the office. And it had a setup kind of like our canopy. It's got the canopy, the clear doors. And a car pulled up, and Jason went out to meet them. And there was a couple, and they were asking for food. And Jason was like, yeah, we would love to help you. And it just so happened that our church at the time had a food pantry, and the food pantry was full. So Jason went, got out a big box, filled it up, and gave it to them. And then they asked for money, this time for gas. Now, we want to be open-hearted and open-handed, but we also don't want to be taken advantage of. And Jason could tell that there was something off. And he's like, you know what? I will follow you to the gas station and fill up your car for you. They did not like that answer. They got really mad. And they were like, dude, we just need the money. And Jason was like, you know, we, you know what? We're not going to be able to do that. I'm sorry. They got really mad at him. They cussed him out in the church parking lot. So, and as they drove away, they threw out the box of food that we had given them. Yeah. You know, often when we refuse or we say we cannot help, uh, people quote this verse to us all the time in very angry tones, and it's usually followed by cuss words. That is not what these verses are for, okay? They're not meant to take advantage of people. They're not meant for you to use them to get whatever you want. Okay, they are there because they are setting the standard that God expects of us as his followers. It's for us to judge ourselves, to see how are we doing in seeking out those that are forgotten, ignored, and overlooked. Listen, your reaction when other people get things that you want or things that you don't think that they deserve is pivotal. Okay? When you see somebody get a blessing like that, do you think, well, they should just go to work and buy their own food? Man, those people are just a bunch of do-gooders. Or they can't handle a blessing like that. See, your character determines your response. You can have that attitude, or you can be glad, and you can love, and you can help those who are hurting now, you may be wondering, now, where is Tina going with this? I'm sure she's going to bust out the, bucking, the offering buckets in just a second or ask me to sign up for ministry to do something good. I'm not. But I am going to take you to a story about a man who had everything, and he chose to live out these words long before they were written. It's the story of David and Jonathan. And David and Jonathan were best friends. And they made a covenant, an agreement. And the agreement was this. 
in the future, even after your death, I will take care of your family. We pick up the story years later. Jonathan is dead, David is king, and he is wealthy, and he is, he is the king of the world right now. And one day, David remembers his promise to Jonathan. In 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? Now Saul was Jonathan's dad, to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. See, David remembered his responsibility to care for Jonathan's family. And that's our first key. You need to remember your responsibility. The responsibility set out and assigned by Jesus. Now you may be asking, well, what is my responsibility? James 1.27 tells us, religion that our that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, practically, what does this mean? That we should only minister to orphans and widows? No, but James was laying out a picture. See, back in their time, in their culture, widows and orphans were considered useless. Because if you help them, they could do nothing for you in return. So nobody wanted to help them. They were the overlooked and the ignored and the forgotten. Listen, it's pure and faultless religion because there is nothing in it for you. There is nothing in it for you. Pure religion is faith expressed without expecting anything back. That's what it is. You're not trying to get ahead. You're simply expressing the love of Jesus. It's not an option. It's a responsibility. It's what we are responsible for. And it's assigned by Jesus to love and care for the ignored, the overlooked, and the forgotten. But it's easy to get busy, isn't it? You have your to-do list, and then you leave it at home. Mm -hmm. Or your grocery list, and then it stays at home. You know, you got emails to answer, you got Facebook statuses to update, selfies to take, text messages to send out, and it's easy just to get busy. It's not that you're purposefully uncaring, or it's not that you're purposefully ignoring people, you're just really busy. Life keeps you busy. Let's pick up our story with uh, Saul and John, uh, David again. It says, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Now 2 Samuel 4 tells us how he became crippled. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Macher, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So the king had him brought from Lodabar. Listen, King David asked questions about Mephibosheth. He sought him out. 
It's not like Mephibosheth was hanging out outside, or it's not like he was at the street that David always walked by on his way to the office. He had to seek him out. Listen, in that day, handicapped people were not taken care of. They didn't get special parking spots. They didn't get the front seat in the bus. They were considered flawed, damaged goods because of their sin. That's how they were viewed. And there was no way that a crippled person would ever be near a king because that wasn't proper. It wasn't culturally acceptable. That's the second key, guys. We have to seek out those who are hurting. The overlooked, the ignored and forgotten. Listen, we have to make an effort. We have to open our eyes, even in our daily go, to look for those people. We have to do it on purpose. It has to be on purpose. Listen, they may not come to you. We may have to go and seek them out. Years ago, in a baseball movie titled Field of Dreams, a farmer built a baseball diamond in his cornfield. Now, I have never seen the movie. I know. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Y'all, I'm Mexican. Our game is football. You know I soccer. <laughs> Listen, I've never seen the movie, but even I know that iconic line. If we build it, they will come. See? I do know the quote. Now, that might be true of a baseball field, but it's not true of the church. We can build it, but it doesn't mean that people who are hurting are going to come. We may have to go and seek them out. Listen, they're all around us in our lives, but they're not landing at our doorstep. And Jesus modeled this for us. He went out of his way to find the overlooked, the ignored, and the forgotten. Remember Zacchaeus or the woman at the well or most of the disciples? Jesus went and found them. He reached out to them, and then he brought out the best, their best potential. Listen, love lives in a seeking, tangible way. They're not going to reach out to us. They're not going to magically appear at our door. We have to reach out to them. Like David, we have to seek them out. That empty seat next to you represents an opportunity to reach someone who is hurting. Let's fill them. Let's fill them. Listen, and when we do, we're going to have to create more empty seats. Because our church should be a place that always has room for those who are forgotten, overlooked, and ignored. Our goal is not for every service to be packed, guys. Listen, if that's the case, we've missed something. We always have to have room for those who are overlooked and hurting and ignored and abandoned. That is our goal, to seek them out. We must make space to follow the command of Jesus. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. The, those that have been overlooked, forgotten, and ignored, 
are often afraid. When somebody notices them, it's usually not a good thing. Okay? Ministering to the overlooked and the forgotten isn't easy. Y'all, it's hard work because they're not always reasonable in their expectations. But are you reasonable when you're hurting? No. You're a big whiny baby. Right? You're super sensitive because you're hurting and that's normal. It's normal. Ministry to the least of this can be frustrating. It can be time-consuming because they're hurting. Listen, not everyone that walks through our doors is going to immediately feel comfortable. Some of them have been hurt so many times, they're not going to allow anyone to come close because they know what it looks like. And they risk the potential of being hurt again, and it's a big risk for them to take. But we cannot let that dictate our behavior. We cannot let that dictate our response to them. We have to reach out. We have to reach out. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all of the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Listen, David not only saw Mephibosheth, his name is difficult, y'all, Mephibosheth out, he also showed him great kindness. Listen, David didn't lecture Mephibosheth. He didn't say, listen, none of this would have happened if your grandfather Saul wasn't such a jerk. Truth. You know, he didn't be like Mephibosheth, this is what you should have done. No, he simply showed him kindness. That's all he did. And that's our third key. Be kind. Be kind. Listen, sometimes us as Christians, we are guilty of being opinionated and judgmental before we are kind and compassionate. And that, what a challenge to simply be kind even when you think you know all the answers. It's kind of like marriage. Guys, have your, has your wife ever come to you and shared with you all of the stress, everything that she's going through at work? She's just sharing with you, and you immediately begin to come up with plans on how she can fix it. And as soon as she stops sharing, you're like, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do that. But did she want you to solve her problems? No. Okay, if you didn't know that, next time your wife shares with you, just listen, okay? That's all she wants you to do, to listen and to be compassionate and kind. You don't have to solve the problem. You just have to listen. Do you know that that's the same thing hurting people want? For someone just to listen and to be kind. Anyone can do that, right? Anyone can do that. It doesn't take special training, even though we as wives sometimes think our husband needs special training. Anyone can be kind. Remember what Jesus said, whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. David showed kindness to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? 
Now, Mephibosheth was doing something that a lot of hurting people do. He was seeking affirmation by running himself down. Have you ever had people do that around you? It sounds like this. I can never do anything right. Everyone hates me. I made that mistake again. I'll never have a healthy relationship. They're negative, negative, negative. You've heard that? Yeah. I love David's response. He's awesome. His response is incredible. He completely ignores the comment. He doesn't even acknowledge that Mephibosheth said that. He didn't enjoy the pity party. Okay? Don't help people stay hurt. Follow David's example. That's our fourth key. Don't join the pity party. Instead, offer hope. Extend healing and restoration. Extend grace and love and kindness. Look at, look at David's answer. Mephibosheth makes that comment, and this is what David answers. He completely ignores him. And it says, Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons are servant, and your servants are to farm the land for him and bringing the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. Now, I wonder as people heard this, because this is a public thing that's happening. Okay, there's a lot of eyes and ears watching this and hearing this. I wonder if some of the critics in the crowd were like, it's a crippled guy. He's not going to know what to do with that blessing. Listen, we don't know their response. The Bible doesn't tell us. But even if there was some negative feedback, David didn't care. David didn't care. He did it anyways. He did everything imaginable to demonstrate kindness and to facilitate restoration. Listen, we have so much to give. Just like David, it was in David's power to offer all of this. And we have so much to give because we offer hope for the hopeless, comfort for those who are hurting, healing for those who are brokenhearted. Why? Because we have the answer in Jesus that people are crying out for. It's in our ability to offer hope, to offer love to those who are overlooked and forgotten and ignored. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Seba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. Listen, this is a huge point in our story. To invite Mephibosheth to the table was inviting Saul's lineage to the royal table. Listen, it was more than just sharing a meal. Saul tried to kill David. Saul was David's worst nightmare. And yet David loved and accepted Mephibosheth despite of, in spite of his handicap and in spite of what Saul had done to him. He didn't hold that against him. He didn't hold that against Mephibosheth. He still reached out and he still offered great kindness. Listen, David didn't just give him a handout and send him on his way. 
he invited him in to become one of the family. Mephibosheth was treated the same as one of David's sons. What a powerful picture of restoration. That's our fifth key. Treat the overlooked, ignored, or forgotten like family. Give them a place at the table. Spend time with them. Sit next to them at church. Get to know them. Allow them into your life and treat them as part of the family. Love, hug, affirm them. Can you do that? Can you treat the homeless person like family? Can you treat the alcoholic and addict with love and compassion? Can you treat the bitter old woman with grace? You're like, how can I do that? Remember, Jesus said, when you do one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. See, you are doing it to the Jesus that's inside of them. You are seeing that potential in someone. And you may be the only person in their lives that can see beyond, that can actually, first of all, even see them, and then acknowledge that there is something in them that is valuable, something in them that makes them worthy of attention. And what is that? It's the fact that Jesus died on the cross for them. It's the fact that Jesus loved them enough as well. That's what we're doing. So what does it mean? What does it look like for you? It may look like giving in an offering or volunteering to serve in the nursery or at kids' church or at youth. It may be becoming a foster parent or inviting people to church or reaching out to the coworkers around you, the people that you interact with every day. Listen, the people at HEB, they know me by name. I go there a lot. Reaching out to them. The overlooked, the forgotten. You may volunteer at a school or reach out to a friend that you haven't in a long time. It definitely means you need to figure out what these verses mean for you, how they affect your life. Listen again. Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I am telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Listen, I challenge you to a lifestyle change, to open your eyes, to open your hearts and represent Jesus in a world that is hopeless and hurting. Seek the Lord. Read your Bible. Pray. Get serious. Because this is a command. Ask God how you can apply his instructions 
how you can see and treat those around you. And then do it. Don't just listen, do it. And if this morning you say, listen, Pastor, I am the overlooked. I'm the forgotten. I'm the ignored, and I have been that all my life. Or I have been like that recently. There is a place for you in God's family. There is a place for you in this MFA family. Listen, God sees you. He sees your struggle. You may feel ignored. You may feel like your prayers are not being answered. God of miracles and he will bring it through to pass listen this morning it's about restoration and hope this morning is just a refresher for you not to give up that if you're feeling forgotten if you're feeling ignored that is not from God your family there is a place for you in God's kingdom. There is a place for you in this church. That's why you're here this morning. Because if you were looking for your place, if you were looking for a place to belong, this is it. If you're looking for a place to be, find healing from past hurts, you're in the right place. If you came in hoping to God that no one would judge you as you walked in, you have found your home. church family there is a place for you close your eyes let's pray Father God we are so thankful Lord that while we, while we were still deep in sin oh Lord God you made room at the table for us God you cleared out a space and you made room at the table and thank God you sent your son Jesus you stepped down and you went and you sought us out, O oh Lord God. God, you sought us out where we were at. God, many of us were that. We were the ignored God. We were the forgotten Jesus. We were the overlooked. But you saw us, Lord. God, and not only did you see us, O oh Lord God, you loved us. And you died for us, Father. You paid the ultimate price, O oh Lord God, so that we could have room at the table. Father God, this morning, there are those among us who are feeling ignored and overlooked. Some of them are feeling forgotten, O oh Lord God. But this morning, you have made room at the table. morning, O oh Lord God, as we worship, you were making room at the table for us to come before you, O oh Lord God. Father, we speak hope, O oh Lord God, to the hopeless. 
struggling, listen, there is hope. In your darkest times, there is hope. In your loneliest times, God is there with us. When you are the most broken, God is the closest to you. You are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. There was a scene in a movie one time. I think it was Black Hawk Down. There's a soldier that gets captured and left behind. And there's a helicopter and it's circling. And they're yelling through the speaker, you are not forgotten. They call his name out and they say, you are not forgotten. that you are not forgotten listen this morning the Holy Spirit is circling around you and he's calling your name and he's telling you you are not forgotten my daughter my son you are not forgotten you are not forgotten God is with you in the midst of these struggles your circumstances may look dark right now, but you are not forgotten. The God of miracles is coming. The God of miracles has a plan to rescue you, to bring you through. You are not forgotten. Those are God's words. This morning you are not forgotten. You are loved. You are valued. And you have a place at the table. Like a son and a daughter. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. 